All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? Happy New Year. This is it, the first show, the first WTF podcast of 2016. It was uh, it was an okay New Year's for me. I hope you guys had a good time. I was sleeping at midnight, not because I'm old, but because uh, I was tired and I just spent a quiet night with Sarah and uh, had dinner and watched a, uh, a documentary on Agnes Martin, the painter, learned some stuff about truth, abstraction, and freedom of mind uh, against the pressures and bullying of the world to find a place where you can express yourself in the purest way possible without interruption or distractions. There's a certain beauty to that. It's a funny thing about truth. It's probably real truth when you find it. Uh, I would shut up about it, take it and, and use it the best way you can, but God damn it, be quiet about it because real truth, I think, is is very quiet and uh, you should savor it before somebody fucking ruins your moment. Anyway, Happy New Year. A little abstract uh, myself, it seems, today. Look, I, there's nothing I can do about um, background sound effects today, I don't think, because um, I have to be a decent neighbor, but it seems that my neighbor, Adam, has chosen today, today being Sunday, the, I do record these sometimes uh, the day before the morning of the release because, as you know, those of you who are compulsive and a bit obsessive about my show, they know it drops somewhere in the middle of the night. So I'm not up uh, recording live uh, at 3 in the morning to deliver this to you, though I would if I had to. But uh, Adam seems uh, to have found today to be the right day to uh, to clean out his parrot's cage and give the parrot some air out there on the deck next door, and also seemingly to play fiddle. I had no idea that Adam played fiddle. I don't even know if it's Adam, but I didn't want to get involved. You know, people need to have the freedom to do what they're going to do, and uh, sometimes it's play fiddle on the deck while your parrot squawks uh, with the joy of being out of the house for a few hours. So if you hear squawking parrots or uh, uh, somewhat lyrical fiddle playing, that's because it's Sunday out here at the Cat Ranch in Highland Park, and that's what uh, what my neighbor's going to do. Now, some of you might think, like, why would you put up with that from your neighbor? Or can't you ask him to quiet it down? No. You know why? Because uh, you've heard me sometimes at the end of this show. I tend to play a, a pretty loud guitar, and I'm fooling myself out here in the garage or, or in my house if uh, I, I think that uh, at least two or three or maybe seven of my neighbors don't hear my clunky riffing. So there comes a point where, you know, you just got to be like, all right, well, I got to do some things that require some silence, but uh, today's fiddle day next door, and I've got to let freedom reign. Today is David Spade Day on the podcast. Uh, David and I have uh, not really ever known each other, but certainly we've run in the same circles. I've run into him. I've met him a few times, and quite frankly, I didn't feel... Like we really got along, or perhaps it was all me, as usual. But uh, we talk a little bit about that. You know, he is the type of guy he is. And, and I was sort of uh, amazed at, uh, I'm not really amazed. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a thoughtful guy. I just didn't, I don't know people. I don't know people, and uh, I make assumptions. And, you know, he's out with a book. He's got a book out. It's a memoir. It's called uh, Almost Interesting. And that's out now. And uh, it was sort of, I you know I got a real kick out of it. Yeah, I mean I you know it was a good talk, but he's a funny guy, and that's the way it is. 
So uh, mark another one off the list of people I was uncomfortable and uh, overly sensitive about uh, previously. There's still plenty out there, apparently, people. So how the resolutions going, people? How is it, you know, a few days in? How are they going? I haven't made any other than to what the regular ones. I got to get into shape. Uh, Maybe I should eat better. Uh, I got to treat people differently. Resolutions. I'm going to fucking relax. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to fucking relax. You know, I'm so like I over the weekend, like literally the day after New Year's, uh, I got caught in a couple of Twitter vortexes and I know I've sworn off it a bit tried to pull back a bit but sometimes you get locked in and there's this idea sometimes on Twitter and in life is that uh, you have to engage here's the deal the beautiful thing about freedom <laughs> and uh, and the great thing about this country and life and being able to make choices for yourself is that you don't have to fucking engage with anybody you don't want to Unless it's your job, but like socially or on social networking platforms, it's like, I don't have to fucking respond to you. Now, my problem is, is I am sort of compulsive about responding to, uh, to, to negativity or, or I'm, I'm easily, um, triggered. If you poke me a little bit, just the right insecure, angry nerve, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do it. I'll, I'm in now I've had more success in my real life than I've had on uh, on social networking and, and also, you know, on stage and everywhere else that I'm not easily triggered and, you know, I can make certain decisions about my, uh, my anger and my reactions. And I do it in real life and, uh, you know, it's the right thing to do. But there's this weird expectation by certain types of people on Twitter, trolls aside, people with opinions. See, here's the weird thing is that like if, if you've got opinions and, and they're important to your agenda and your ideology, well, why don't you just go do that? You know, fighting with other people or trying to hit them over the head with your opinion, it's not you're, you're not going to get through and you're ultimately just using that person to make your point and you're basically a bullying douchebag yeah that that's the weird thing it's not just trolling not just poking but literally like hey man you're wrong man you you don't know the truth you don't you don't want to face the facts it's just annoying you know if you have an agenda go do your agenda but if your agenda involves beating up on whoever disagrees with you then that's sort of a shitty agenda. Then you're just a you know a shitty bullying idiot. It's just annoying. Go serve your agenda. Go be proactive in whatever uh, big ideas you have. And if you keep pestering, you're just annoying. And it's not that your opinion is so provocative. It's just annoying. There's a block function in real life. It's called uh, gotta go. Yeah, no, 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 no. I gotta go. Now it's interesting, but I gotta go. Okay, but but here's what happens if you don't block. Uh, what? Oh, really? Okay, okay. No, no, I don't really agree. Like, why are you follow me? Can't? Why don't you just shut up? Oh, Jesus, just shut up! La 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 la. And so many people out there, they're like, "Hey, man, this is truth. This is fact. This is free thinking." Look, if you're a free thinker, then shut the fuck up. Go free think. 
And it's amazing to me how many free thinkers seem to have the same five or six fucking thoughts. And they all need each other to have this free thinking mob mentality. Yet it's so limited and it's the same fucking thoughts. And anybody who's a free thinker really doesn't need to say it that much. Because if you really have freedom of mind, you wouldn't fucking talk to anybody because you'd be free. Ugh. Just live the life you want to live. It isn't always the same for anybody, but you do have the freedom of mind here to make choices around you know, how you want to live your life. Don't let people fucking change it if you don't want it changed or fucking relentlessly annoy you because they just want to win. What are they going to win? Ha, showed that guy. Yeah, man, another victory for the free-thinking mob. Oof, tiring. I'll tell you, you know, I listened to Cecil Taylor record this morning. Listen to some Captain Beefheart sometimes. Go out and look at my girlfriend's paintings. Look at some Agnes Martin paintings, you know, check in with some Rothko friend of mine sent me a E.E. Cummings poem you know there's all these places where amazing creativity can take you you know above and beyond the the blather and the white noise and the fucking death wallowing of the zeitgeist the wheezing fucking death rattle of the cultural zeitgeist that kind of dumps into your brain every day as soon as you turn your fucking computer on. It's a new year. So I guess that's a broad resolution. I'm going to try uh, to not be infected by the death rattle of the cultural zeitgeist. There's a voice in my head that, that said, that's, that's pretentious and affected. I'm not even sure it makes any sense. Made sense to me in that moment. Yes, it did. So right now, let's, uh, let's go to my conversation with um, David Spade, the comedian. It was fun. It was fun. I'm glad we talked. You know, when you said you were going to bring in a chair for your back, I thought it'd be something that looked more um, medical. That just looks like a fucking dining room chair from <laughs> the 80s. Well... I I have a bad neck, and so I just realized if I'm going to sit for up to an hour, I gotta. I should probably just make sure I sit in something that doesn't drive me nuts because I, I want to focus on your show and not be squirming. But what, what's the history of that chair? So you have to sit like no that. any chair. Uh, I, I have to. Oh. it's a problem. So this one is just sort of feels good. I had around my house. <laughs> this one's not bad. You could you could have managed in that chair, you think? No, I would have been a little bit of a strug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I went to sushi last night, and they have I always sit at booths because yeah. uh, not because I'm King Lear, but I just uh, or Goodfellas, yeah. but I, I um they're squishier and they're lower, and then I, I I can't sit on rock hard stuff; it hurts my back. Whatever, it's so boring. Uh, so but wait, when did this problem occur? This happened in a. Uh, 
Like, is, was it an event? It was uh, chapter four. Mm-hmm. It was in my, <laughs> is it? my stupid book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in there. But. <laughs> You've done enough press to where you can cite the no, I don't know what chapter the, is. The, the, <laughs> but it is, it is in there because it's an embarrassing story and it killed time. <laughs> I was uh, 15 and I was in a talent show and I was in a uh, speech class, a yeah. motivational class. And basically, you had to be in this to get into the talent show at the end of the year. So it was a trick. So I got in that. But then I learned speaking and they have like an ah meter when you give speeches where if you say ah, um, they ding and they count it. So you start to learn how to speak a little better. And then we would motivate kids. We'd go around other schools to high to grade schools and motivate them. Meanwhile, we were just all stoned and we yeah. just tried to get out of class. But you took a speech class. So, I mean, do you think that somehow or another that helped you ultimately? I think so. Because I'm, I'm shitty with it. I, uh yeah I, I can't you know I, I don't speak well yeah i was gonna talk to you about that yeah um, thank you i have an <laughs> ometer here <laughs> <laughs> you're already blowing the charts up uh i i thought it was nice because i was never into doing stand-up and a lot of people want to be on Saturday Night live i mean we're so, sort of on a lot of subjects but i i was in high school and i was sort of a smart kid yeah got older did the speech class because it was like a fun way to meet girls and be in this like talent-ish yeah. variety show basically. right so we'd rip off SNL sketches and oh, stuff. Oh, you did them? You actually did an SNL sketch? Yeah. Did Wait. like a, a, a one old Dan Aykroyd a bit. Um, uh, not not even a famous one. That was, the, that was the variety show? That was the talent show? Yeah, it was like mostly dancing and mostly girls doing mm-hmm. stuff. And then the guys that were in drama. It wasn't even a drama class, which was a great scam because they didn't yeah. want to do plays or anything. They wanted to be right. a serious actor. I just wanted to go write for the fun stuff. And I did write some stuff. I actually wrote like me and my buddy as these uh, guys hitting on girls like ski partners, like these tough guys. And it was just like they were sort of douchebags. Ski partners? Well, it was the setting was at the right. ski resort and we had all the ski lift tickets sure. hanging down to the floor. And we're That's like, good. hey, Aspen, Aspen, where have I been lately? Hey, I'm pretty cool. And so <laughs> it, was, clever. it was my first thing of writing anything. And uh, and then one, I did a dance number to Macho Man. I was just trying to get in more stuff. Yeah. Not because I was super gay, but I uh, I was in a dance number to Macho Man, and I was also in gymnastics. There's a few red flags in the story, <laughs> but we're going to skim over it. Gymnastics? So, yeah, I was in gymnastics just to work out and meet <laughs> <Dude>. guys. <laughs> Could you... Can you do a cartwheel? I can do, uh, can you do a planche flip? where you put your hands like that yeah. and you lay flat. It's That's parallel to the ground on your and you're sort of on your elbows. And, could you do a backflip at a time? Yeah, you could. Yeah. Was there a, a, a period there where you're like, "This is my closer"? I could do parallel bars. I could <laughs> you ever do. Think about rings. closing with it? Uh, yeah, but we're starting to hint toward the story. All right, go ahead. So I was in the Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was sort of a could was, have been a closer for the whole show. It was obviously a great bit. Yeah, we danced too. We're Comedic karate dance yeah. Sure. And you're 15. 15. Mm. And it was with a bunch of seniors, so it looked, made me look cool to the ladies. Sure. I keep hinting that I liked ladies, even yeah. though no one believed it at this point. So I'm in Macho Man. I know gymnastics, so me and my brother say, let's do a backflip at the end to sort of cap it off. Oh, this is the story. <laughs> it is the story. So that day I'm at the pool with my buddy, and I'm on grass, and I say, I better practice my standing backflip. And I do it, yeah. and I nail it. Yeah. Because it's very scary to do one. I just bet. Just to stand there and try to whip one around. I weighed about 115, 120. Uh, what do you weigh now? 145, 146. Yeah. I ballooned up to 160 during grown-ups, and we got into a Val Kilmer area, and I don't want to talk about it. So, uh, <laughs> You're a little punch drunk. And- As Chris Rock told me, he goes, you can't be fat and old. You pick one. 
<laughs> so he goes, but be rich. <laughs> yeah. This is if you're ever going to hit on girls. Right, he goes, right. you got to. So anyway, here I am at uh, in high school. Yeah. And, and before the show starts, I'm backstage. And I tell this guy, hey, the show's starting, the let, letting everyone in. Mm-hmm. Don't spot me. I have to practice. Yeah. yeah. So his job is just to watch this disaster. So I do a backflip. I come out of my talk lingo a little early and I land on my face. <laughs> oh, man. All my weight, bam, on my face. My teeth are loose. My face is pouring blood. I pop up. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, not at all. I turn and then it's like tunnel vision. Hello, yeah. darkness, my old friend. I go down on one knee. Hello, hello. Can anybody hear me? It was so weird. And then they got me backstage. Yeah. And in the back of your head when you're a kid, you sort of know you're not supposed to get hurt. Like in my family. Yeah. Because we didn't have any insurance. But I didn't know it. But we didn't. Yeah. They would just always go, you're fine, you're fine. And I go, you want to go to the bleeding. doctor? No, 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 you're all right. <laughs> but the bone's sticking out on it. A little back team. <laughs> My mom had back team, which just bought her time. It was just like numbing spray with no medicinal purposes. So I go backstage and, and they bring my mom and a doctor back. And I don't know who anyone is for an hour. So this is a hard Concussed. hit. Concussed. Yeah. Will Smith better play me one day in the, yeah. in the backflip story. <laughs> did, did that movie open? I don't. I I think it's still coming. I think it's still coming. You know, the doctor's like he's a bit shook up. Now he's like from Gunsmoke. He doesn't know anything. He's not giving me any medicine. Arizona. Yeah, that's him. He goes. He's a bit rattled. He got his bell rung. I'm like, these are things my friends would say. Right. I have a category five thousand concussion. If it was the NFL right now, they would stop the game, chopper me out. Everyone be on one knee. You know, the other team would be looking (laughs) by a timeout, and then I finally. The doctor goes, well, you know, take him to the emergency room. And she's like, of course. And then he says, uh, he leaves. And my mom goes, Davey, do you want to go to the hospital or Pizza Hut? <laughs> so I never went to the hospital. Pizza Hut had asteroids. So I went there to play games. I pulled my teeth straight. I jammed my retainer on them. And it sort of held them in place. Uh-huh. And by the way, this is no Vicodin. This is no pain pills back then. I never knew about that stuff. So I just roughed it. And then my jaw started giving me problems after that. You, you could have had a hemorrhage. Like you could have, anything could happen and your mom was willing to roll the dice. I mean, bless her heart, she was broke. And I understand, but I said, I'm okay, I'm okay, because I wanted pizza, but yeah. she should have seen through my bullshit, you know? When did you start noticing uh, that you remembered people? Was it during the Asteroids game? It took an game? hour. It took, you it knew took how to play an, Asteroids. It you took knew an hour. <laughs> yeah, I knew. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> like, that came right back. Rattled me. I love asteroids. I go, who are you, mom? But beep, beep. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So I did that, and then I got, and then when I started to get uh, comedy into me, I, I moved to LA. I just started going out. I started doing stand-up and stuff, but it started my, bothering this, me my neck. And then when I got to LA, I think it was just threw something off in my jaw, and then the tension of LA, to be quite honest, I can't blame it all on that backflip. The tension got to me where I start, you know, people hold their shoulders or they get you yeah. know, stomach aches or yeah. it used to be ulcers 10 years ago. Now it's neck and back. And chest. I can't breathe. Oh, I'm is that what you guy. get? Yeah. Like, <gasps> and that's hard. Like it constricts. Yeah. Like a panic. And yeah. I'm, I'm old. I don't want that because I know that's not great. At this point. I was surprised though. Cause I, you know, I read enough of the book to uh, feel like I knew something about you. Cause I don't, I don't know you. The first, the first time I saw you, I don't know you. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, I see you around. Yeah, I see you around. And there, nice. yeah, a, a few years ago, you started to address me by name, which was exciting. Yes. But I remember the first, I, I don't know, you knew who I was before, because when I came out here to do 
I always remember this because I came out here to do evening at the improv. It must have been like Shut 91 or up. something, right? And I didn't live here. So for me, it was a big deal. It was like my second yeah. TV shot. And like I flew out. That's a big deal. Right. And, and then I ran into you and, and you literally like, if I'm thinking about it correctly, oh, no. it might have just been like a spot at the improv that was still important to me. It was the Santa Monica improv. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, what's well, just a fucking improv? What are you, what are you all freaked out about? You Shut know? up, really? Because my attitude is different. <laughs> my attitude in the book, like, I was so excited when I got, I, I, well, if, wait, what if I you? was jaded after two years, that's horrifying. Well, you just, like, I was freaking out, and you were like, what do you... I just... was that two years before. I, I remember Alan Covert, uh, Sandler's uh, buddy, well, my buddy, was managing it then, and I was, I'd love the Santa Monica Improv. I think maybe... I said that possibly because it was Santa Monica and probably not right. the Melrose. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was still just a huge deal. But but your attitude about it to me, because I didn't live here, and I think if you spend time here and these are your clubs, yeah. you give a different story, like I'm just going to go to a spot. Right. For me, I'm like, I'm being from New York. Right. I'm doing a thing here. And you're like, what are you... Because I was enamored by the New York clubs, but I couldn't get in any of them, so... But when did that, like, wh how long have you been out here if that was, like, 91, uh, 90? Uh, yeah, no, even... Yeah, right around that 89. That's maybe. when you got here? I got here probably 87. Ugh. Right. And then I bounced around and couldn't get into the comedy store. Louis Anderson got me an audition. And Mitzi goes, I'll let you come on. Smokes, here. shakes her head. Nah, not this guy. And so Louis goes, I tried. <laughs> and he's like, Now it's your turn. I'm like, huh? But uh, he goes, <laughs> He goes, I got Rob Schneider on audition. He ran around my house in his underpants. That's what he said to me. I didn't. I never asked Rob about that. I go, what did that mean? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I go, is that what I, I, by the way, if I got the spot, there'd be a better chance of favors back. But I was like, hey, take it easy. And he's like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> then the Funny Boys comedy team. Do you remember the Funny Boys? Yeah, G uh, Jim Valley Jim and the Jonathan other one. Schmock. Schmock, yeah. They saw me. And they were very nice. I, I opened for them at the San Diego Improv. Yeah. And that day we hung out, we were all laying out at the condo <laughs> and because it was San Diego. And they were like, you're new from Arizona? Yeah, yeah. And they go, you know what you do? Do a year in New York yeah. and then come to LA. They had to figure it out. And the nicest thing they did is they gave me this whole speech about how that's what I should do. And I did my set that night. Uh, I think I middled or something. I came off stage and they were going on and they go, go to LA now. Right. They told me before they went on stage, they go, you're ready. Come out. I was like, oh my God, great. So that got me to go and I stayed on Jim's couch. So you skipped LA, uh, New, York skipped New York altogether. And I wouldn't even had any plan in New York. I'd done one-nighters there and no one was really biting. I never really killed. I couldn't. It's a whole different fucking. It's that, a whole vibe. It's a whole Well, vibe. that whole thing of, of sort of doing nine sets a night and running around and waiting until two in the morning. And yes. you know, it's a, it is a good training thing. But I mean, if if you've already got some chops, I mean, I, I if you can avoid that, why not? Well, I'm such an Arizona guy, so I'm a West Coast guy. I don't really love New York like everyone does, and I sound like an asshole saying that, but just it's just not the way I grew up, and I and everyone uh, is so enamored by it. I'd like to visit, but when you're broke, it's just not a great time, you know. And if you're if you live there all your life, I get it. You know the streets, you know the haunts, yeah, subways. Yeah. You bop to these clubs. It's sort of a romantic coolness, like yeah. you're doing five sets a night. I'm like, I've never done more than one set a night probably in my life. I go, where? The improv in the Laugh Factory? Like, I see Whitney 
She'll buzzing around in a Range Rover. Sure, she'll do, a, she'll do a set on the corner. If you yeah, know, there's a, I go, Whitney, <laughs> relax. Your special was last night. She goes, well, I got to do another one. I go, yeah. oh fuck, you're back. you're in there again. Yeah, yeah. She works hard. She's ball buster. She works hard. She she's right, good. She's funny. Yeah. But uh, all right, so I didn't. I had made all these misassumptions uh, about you. You know, I I didn't know how you grew up. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you give me a little break. Yeah, no, right. I mean, like I was like, this guy seems to. Where do you get all this uh, cockiness? I mean, he must be, you know. But it it was like fucking rough, dude. It I mean, was... like I, I I have empathy. Like I didn't, you know, I I had no empathy for you at all. No, <laughs> yeah, no one does. I mean, everyone hates me to start with, and then they I try to win them <laughs> over. But people used to say that about like they go, oh, I think that uh, you date girls, or that's the idea, and then they think you're an asshole. And I go, I get it. Because I saw Ryan Seacrest was going out like Juliana Huff. I'm like, I hate that fucking guy. Like, yeah, immediately. Yeah. And I yeah. knew him a little bit and liked him. And then I switched. Right. And then he had some other kid. I'm like, God, fuck him. So I think that's the natural reaction to anybody. But also your comic persona is a little, you know, it's I know. heavily it's, boundaried. It's all horrible. You know, what does arms, that mean? Well, I just mean that like, you, you know, like you don't, when you do jokes, you have a, your style which is, you know, sarcastic and yeah. your your character's a little smug. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you make assumptions that the guys just really like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, that uh, you know, you kind of keep uh, th- people at arm's length. You don't seem like you would entertain fools gladly and, like, you were not that <laughs> the most accessible cat in the world. Yeah, I guess. That does make sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, what a dick. But no, yeah, no, yeah. but that but you were uh, an endearing dick that made a tremendous amount of money off of being well, a dick. I mean, <laughs> I think when I look back, I was a little more full of myself during that just shoot me time because it was fun and i got on a show and i had some money and i running around and, and a couple guys who write for my show wrote on that yeah oh okay yeah jamming and glaram oh yeah i know this yeah. Yeah. michael and sievert sievert yeah love it yeah those guys are great just shoot me was sort of a good ground for i think that they, they would have good memories of that it was uh yeah no they're great they they uh they do have good memories of it. but let's go back so it's tucson no scottsdale so you're out in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. or sort of outside of Scottsdale? Yeah, I grew up in, um, b- born in Michigan. The dad took me out. You know, we all went out there to the three boys. Who was his dad? Sammy. Do you talk to him? You know, lately it's been very tough because he left us as kids. He started, the quick version, he started showing up here and there, but never, you know, the rough things are like, being by the door, you can't text, you can't call. It was the old days, you had to wait for the hard line to ring. And and the call on Monday, like, yeah, I'm going to pick the kids up Friday and take yeah. them out. And we'd stand by the door at 3, 4 o'clock with our bags, 5 o'clock. And then my mom would go, let's just order a pizza. And knowing he fucking blew us off again. And, and she that was to tough. buffer it. And she would buffer it. And she, would, she wouldn't trash him. So wait, you come from Michigan. How old are you? Four. And they move and then he they just the then marriage he, and then he bails. Yeah, I'm like, could you at least Three leave her in Michigan? Yeah. We're now move her to where she knows nothing. Took her out of her last year of college and she was a smart writer and she didn't graduate because he goes, No, no, you don't need that. You don't need that. What so, did he do? He was a salesman. <laughs> He's out there fucking five martini lunches and fucking everyone and just like scamming his way through. He's a big bullshitter, so it worked. Yeah. Advantage. So he's a hustler. Mm-hmm. Got by. Never made a lot Always of money. Always a sales job. Never yeah. like a steady paycheck. Yeah. Always commish. So he got out there and he's like, yeah, Arizona's a drag. He said he had a job, so we all moved out there. Then he goes, I don't, and fuck off. So he started fucking everyone within a mile of the house. Like my mom's hearing about all this, and I was like, you know, I was uh, four. Yeah. Didn't really get what was going on, but we're like, where's dad? He's the best. So he would show up 
later in years and he would pick us up in a dune buggy and we thought he was so fucking cool. Meanwhile, Showboat. Meanwhile, my mom lately is like smoking going, do you ever think that maybe a 42-year-old guy in a dune buggy isn't the coolest guy in the world? I go, yeah, right? <laughs> well, it was cool to us. So he goes, that's what he's picking up his dates in. Do you understand? Yeah, a dune he's a fucking buggy. asshole. Yeah. So but I so liked you, him because he's my dad. Right. So I kept trying to win him over or whatever I did. And yeah. then my brother got famous. He got tons of money. Which uh, one? Andy, Andy started the Kate Spade stuff. He was in advertising. He started yeah. the... And then you have the... And he's and the then, middle brother? Yeah, and then Brian's the oldest, and he had trouble with it, and he always was... Uh, with your old man. Yeah, because he was the most aware. Being the man older, of the house right. at fucking 10, the responsibility, I'm sure, burdened him, but he yeah. got in trouble with the police, got, didn't like the stepdad when that happened, <sighs> fought him, like physically had problems with it. What was that guy like? diametrically opposite um very smart went to duke a doctor very responsible not great looking but a nice decent person trying to take care of my mom but he had problems like the 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 thing in the book is that true the yeah it is the vietnam thing mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean i didn't know he would show me x-rays of nails and heads and all this shit i'm like i'm seven guy like <laughs> get me a nerf you know what i mean he would literally lay out all these photos because he was I guess it's PST or whatever. Yeah, PTSD. Yeah. It was definitely four letters because, uh, but we didn't have a name for it then. We just thought he was a little cuckoo yeah. and weird. And he came out, he was a medic in the army, so he saw it all. It definitely affected him. 12 pack of Coors, tall boys a day. Go into the emergency room like that where my mom would go, I got to call it in and stop him sometimes because he could be buzzed, but... He'd fall down, and she's like, "You're not going to operate on people." It was so weird. Oh my so god! So weird because he was the on-call doctor. Anyway, what was the flashback thing, though? That the was... flashback thing was he was he was always uh, he gave us all guns for Christmas. He gave me a shotgun shell reloader. Again, I wanted like a skateboard. So like that thing that you the, yeah you load pop shells out with? the primer, pop out the wad, put the stuff, and and we collect our shells after we go dove hunting or quail hunting. And when I was ten, and put them all in my bag, and I go home and fix them all, and. I had a sawed-off shotgun. I had a deer rifle. You had a sawed-off for quail? That seems like sawed cheating. Sawed-off for fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, quail, I realized later, it wasn't a big score. Like, I, I look at hunting now and yeah. go, if you see a deer and you got him in your sights, let's say you killed it. Yeah. I mean, you have to pull the trigger because he's falling down. He's just standing there. It's like <laughs> yeah. shooting a barn. Yeah. So, I was quail hunting, dove hunting, and then- um, But quail hunting is sort of like, oh, and you, you got to snap an axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It runs across. Yeah. We skeet shoot and all that. But he gave us all guns, and then what he would do is he'd have flashbacks in the middle of the night of the war. So he'd wake us up, and he had his helmet on. It was so weird. Again, I didn't think it was that weird. I thought it was fun. And didn't he, he look crazed, or you thought he was just playing? I, I don't know if he's drunk or flashbacks. Oh, right. or whatever. Both. He would wake yeah. us all up and say, come on, come on, like we were in the army. Yeah. And he'd go, we're looking for these guys. And we'd all have a gun. He'd have a gun, and we'd just walk around. Real guns. Real guns. <laughs> and when he... And the funny thing was when he left... My mom had to take care of three boys. Yeah. And and all these stories make my mom sound bad, but she was great. But, you know, there's only so much you can do without putting us into, you know, foster care. So some days when she worked and she couldn't handle it, she would drive us out to the desert and drop us with our guns. So we had something to do <laughs> and a canteen and bullets like banditos and a lunch and back teen. In case everything went wrong, and and pick us up seven miles away at a Chevron station <laughs> when she got off work. So for eight hours, we are shooting 
Whatever. Rabbit, squirrels. Didn't matter. Rattlesnake, anything. Bottles. <laughs> and then we take a neighbor with us or something. And then we land. And the fact that everything went smoothly, it was fine. That's amazing. I mean, I could f- go sideways on you quickly, but we had a quarter to call her if she didn't show up. And uh, it worked perfectly. And she did it, not a lot, but a couple times. And we loved it. And I look back <laughs> and people go, it's pretty odd, but I go, I guess, but it didn't seem that way. Well, how old was your oldest brother? I mean, someone was sort of in charge. Right, 14, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's grown up, right? Like the with outsiders. a gun? Yeah, yeah with a gun. <laughs> By the way, back then with no cell phones, it, he shoots me, and there's a good 10-hour lag time before someone gets to me, you know? He's got to get all the way seven miles away, then hopefully find his quarter. <laughs> what did he end up doing? He does construction, and he had, he had a tougher uphill battle. Um Chip on his shoulder about the yeah, old man. Yeah, that. And then he got in trouble, so it was hurting jobs. And then, but he's sort of construction all his life, and he does fine now. We all got along. We had trouble in the middle because, you know, the dad was a little bit of a boozy Susie, and uh, so was the grandpa. Your real dad. My real dad, and my real grandpa. Yeah. And so it's in our family. Yeah. Um, and my stepdad ultimately killed himself, but I didn't put this in the on book. On purpose? Yeah. He tried to once and shot a hole in the roof. Really? Uh, At your my, house? Yeah, and my mom said he uh, was cleaning it or some bullshit, mm-hmm. which I bought immediately. And then she told me later, when he did die, that he was trying then. But she told me just two weeks ago that, you know, his father killed himself and his his father. Oh, my God. And his brother. So I go, Mom, these are like... On the first date, bring and this is like red flags. Like, what's the over under on suicides in your family? Is it three? Is it? And so I said, I frank- Mom, did you know that? It's so weird. And did she? She said she didn't. She found out like while they were married, and I was like, oh. It's fascinating to me when that runs in families. Like, I you know, alcoholism mm-hmm. fine, but just sort of like killing your because there's a choice there. He was yeah. depressed, which depression is uh, yeah something that again they didn't know much about, and now they take it a little more seriously, but. That's why all the booze and the self-medicating, but you know, we all get depressed, but I guess when you're like that seriously down and that seriously whatever it is, and he was really nice to me. He's very smart. He got me into chess. He got me into speaking German. He got me into all these things because I was the most practical malleable. Language. Practical when I lived four yeah. inches from the Mexico border. <laughs> I go, what about Spanish? He goes, that's going to come and go. That's a fad. I go, are you sure? German is forever. <laughs> so I knew German. That went away a year later. Yeah. I don't know. It's not helping me. But you got along with him. So you got know, along he, with him. And then he, he was uh, good for you. Good for me growing up. And then uh, went off. Then my dad started coming back more. And now to this day, you know, I bought him a condo. My brother bought him. My brother made so much money. So we were just taking turns with taking care of him and my mom. And then I started to fade out on lately. And I think it's because I had a daughter and Where's the daughter? Honestly was not planned. She's in uh Missouri and she's great and I'm really glad it, it happened, but it was a unusual circumstance. It wasn't planned. It was someone I dated a little bit. Did you know that you had the kid? Yeah. I she you know, she she told me and was it bad at TMZ. the first? Oh, T- and TMZ. Was it bad at first? I mean, was it yes. one of those things where it's like you felt it was a, a trick of some kind? I didn't know. And and this girl, and I've gotten to know her better, obviously, over the years. Was it really dating or just a one-night mom. thing? We'd gone out probably. She lived out of town, so she would come in, hang out, and she had to do right. stuff here. And so maybe we went out like five different times. So it was definitely not 
we weren't talking marriage. We weren't talking kids. It was none of that. It was just, it came up. And, you know, in that situation, it hasn't come up. So I thought, well, you have to do the right thing. You have to do what you're supposed to do. And she was a little rough on me at the beginning with the tabloids and the leaking stuff. But, I, you know, over the years, it's leveled out. We have a nice situation now. You have a relationship seeing, with the I'm kid? seeing Harper in, uh, you know, four days. Uh, she's coming out right How old? Christmas. She's just seven. Wow. So she's great. Pretty recent. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've been in that situation, but it's very Haven't. It sounds terrifying. Because it's, when it's on the internet, like right after you're told, it's, I, I don't even know how to get my ducks in a row. I don't know how to alert my family. I don't know how to alert girls I've dated. It just, because that you, one rocks people. But you didn't know about it. I didn't know till, I mean, she was pregnant. Oh. She told me when she was two and a half, three weeks pregnant. And it, did that come uh, at you like a, a threat? Well, what are you going to do? I need money, whatever. It was sort of like, yeah. no, it was just, I'm doing this mm -hmm. and uh, hope you'll do the right thing. And I was like, wow. My only concern was I said, can you wait the three months that people wait to announce these things because you never know. And I said, it will give me a second to get my fucking head together because this is pretty overwhelming. I wasn't mean. I wasn't saying, hey, fuck you. I was yeah. just saying, okay, not my perfect situation, but <laughs> I don't want to be a fucking asshole about this. This is like a test to see if I'm a good guy. And and you had no, actually, like, even if you were going to be an asshole, which you weren't, uh, when it's handled that way. <laughs> well, I felt bullied. And, you know, right. I've talked to her about it. And, you know, again, we get along now and I don't want to slam her. I just think she was under the influence of uh, her mother. And I don't, I didn't think. In hindsight, the mother was was great for the situation because mm -hmm. I think she was being steered, and she's a nice Midwestern girl. So I don't know what the situation was, but it happened. We figured it out, and in those situations, you just start doing the right thing fast. I started paying child support four months in, yeah, before the test, right? I just said, okay, if this is it, I'm starting, and if this is whatever, whatever, I'm not. Believe me, I'm not a fucking great guy, but I was like. This is what I should do. And my mom is a great person. She's like, here's what you do. So. What? Pay. You know, you pay, you, 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 you're there for her. Yeah. You call her, you make sure everything's okay. Oh, you, geez. That's so, it's, that's heavy, man. And it's hard because, you know, since then I was dating someone else and they're like, it's like getting married. It's like such a bombshell to someone that you liked in the past or you might right. have a future with. Right. That you were serious with that you're like, and there is so it really hurts feelings across the board and, and puts a weird spin on everything in your life. So, well, when you when it happened, just out of curiosity, you know, as a, you know, uh, uh, an A-list celebrity, certainly someone who everyone knows, when you get that information and it's starting to leak in, yeah. you know, what seems like an unmanageable way. Yes, for sure. What do you go to advice? Like publicists? What do you do? I mean, like, I mean, knowing like, you know, how obviously it's not a manageable situation because right. it was handled the way it was handled. I mean, how do you get, get advice on that? Well... Um, I don't know. I guess I asked my mom. I, yeah. did, I did ask my PR lady <laughs> yeah. and say, I mean, there's nothing anyone can do. It's me. It's my fault. It's, it is what it is. There's, it's all very black and white. I just have to take the hits now of people judging me and saying, you're a fucking asshole and what are you doing? And, but are you an asshole? See, that's the weird thing about that. It's like, well, this, this, I wasn't married. It wasn't like, and they're like, oh, your lifestyle caught up to you, whatever. But, but listen, but that's not even fucking it. It's so fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. Because this shit happens all the time to guys at all levels. It's got nothing to do with lifestyle. And since then, it's even worse. Like, you know, Sean Kemp has nine kids. These people, everyone has 
five kids with nine different chicks it's unreal and yeah. it's just sort of just the thing now yeah. and so now but for me my personal life i've never dealt with it right and i was like wow and can i handle this because i'm not good obviously i hadn't been married at that point and that feels very overwhelming to me to be married and that's quite honestly probably the big stickler of why i don't do it because i don't want to disappoint someone and bail out like my dad did or do something like that so i i get nervous about it but a kid is even more serious you know what i mean right but you had money thank god and you know in a way and you could take care of of the kid and and make them comfortable and, and try to show up i mean you know it's great that you built a relationship with the kid that's funny that drake say that this comedian gave i remember me, drake he, jesus christ he gave me this great joke where he goes you know i I don't know if I'll ever get a tattoo. I could picture getting married and having kids, but a tattoo is so permanent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought that, but... Oh, you remember Jay, uh, Drake? I mean, that, that was so sad. Drake and I were old buddies, yeah. He killed himself. Yeah, I know. And did like you years hear... years ago. Years ago. Is this a rumor that he put post-it notes for the paramedics saying, body this way? I, I don't know if Did you ever hear that? I did hear it. It's crazy, man. How old are you? You my age? He was a funny fuck. Younger? 51. 52. That's horrible. God, we've seen so, like, dude, like, who did I talk to? Why you? are we not killing ourselves? I don't feel like killing <laughs> myself. <laughs> but with the, who yeah. was it that just told the fucking, the Why Frankie Bastille story? What's that story? That, who, you were the guy in the car with somebody one night in New York. Yeah. And it was like, you were first night in New York and you Richie got- Voss. It was Voss. Yeah. And that those stories in the book and I don't say who it was. Oh, he th he talked. He 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 He's said, sang like a canary. What, a little bit. What, he said, what did he, he say? Though? Well, he was on the show, and he said a comedian from Arizona, and I knew who it was, but he didn't say. He didn't oh, say. Okay. He didn't say your name. But what did he say they did? Because it, maybe it's a different story. Well, no, he said that you know you you needed a ride somewhere, and they offered you a ride, and they both had to go. So he, you know, Rich had to score crack, and Frankie had to score heroin, <laughs> and, and you'd never. Forget. That is the story. I was <laughs> shitting. <laughs> I was scared. I, I mean, I'd done cola, but I and I, uh, I'd, uh, I'd done the pot. Yeah. But I was twenty-one or something. And yeah. I was in New York, which is scary anyway. And we were doing road gigs that Gary Grant booked. Remember this guy? Mm. Like a BF Packies, or you just you go to the Improv and you drive somewhere. This is all foreign to me. I mean, I'm, I was driving with some guy that was thirty-five once. I'm like, if I'm fucking doing this shit at thirty-five, <laughs> blow my brains. And, and he took me to some gig, and then I had. Frankie Bastille and uh, Frankie, hey man, yeah, and yeah. and they go, he's dead. Yeah, one of them had a joke. Goofus and Gallant. Goofus kicks his mom down a flight of stairs, and Gallant fucks her when she's unconscious. I'm like, is that a joke? That's got to be Frankie. <laughs> I go. I was writing my little crummy jokes about Safeway and Frankie used to in the middle of his set go. Remember the first time your mom caught you shooting heroin in your cock? <laughs> that is him, <laughs> Charmer. Um, he. <laughs> He, they were going to buy uh, crack and uh, fucking heroin. And then, you know, these gigs are like 75 bucks. So I guess it's a good score. But yeah. I was debating whether I should take a cab home from the improv or a subway because that was my big splurge. And they go, if you wake up with the money from your gig in your pocket the next day, you know you fucked up. I'm right. like, what? <laughs> these are my words to live by from New York? From the road comics. Yeah, I go, yeah, great. Learn advice, the lessons. Guys. Yeah. No security, no safety net of any kind. They must have loved me. I had long white blonde hair and I had a, I had a little, my mom's honeymoon uh, bag full of props. It, that's how you were I prop props, guy? yeah. Well, Frankie used to, he'd get young guys 
to babysit him and give him oh. money. Like he, like you know, he sort of turn out these young comics with the big wisdom, and then they'd end up driving him places. There was a few oh. dudes like Lord Corette and, uh, but straight. No, no, straight. Yeah, okay. but like sort of like, come on, man, I'm the Buddha. Yeah, okay. and uh, you got any money? Like one time he said, "Do you want to come down the Cayman Islands with me to open?" And I'm bringing my kid who I don't know that well. I'm like, mm. I'm not going to go be mommy. To oh, you is that what he bro. wanted? Oh. Well, it just sort of like, it just seemed a little more loaded than I'm I was already out. saying yes in my head. I'm yeah. like, I would have gone. <laughs> yeah. But then I would have been tricked. So, okay. So now we, so your brother made some coin with yeah. the purses. <laughs> yeah. and, and you guys did all right. And, yeah. and, and now you have a relationship with this daughter, which is sweet. Right. And I think the point was, I didn't even mean to blab about that whole thing, but. I didn't know if you talked about it. Actually, I don't really, I, I don't want to talk about it much because just. I don't talk about it in the book either because yeah. the, in the future, I didn't want to uh, have her hear something or read something. Well, it seems to me oddly, given the circumstance, just by feeling your the tone of your voice now, that you you are sort of prepared for it and you're looking forward to it and you're right. you're showing up for it. And well, that's I, a nice I, thing. I like that. And what I was ultimately getting to is my father. It's this whole thing started when you yeah. said, "If you talk to him, how do you get along?" He. He was a fun guy. He was a good guy. Uh, still is. Uh, he's a nice guy, and I definitely got a lot of humor from him and my mom. But he's he's very loose in his feet. Obviously, a little bit of a scamp, mm -hmm. um, skirt chaser. But he got older, and and he kept always wanting stuff from us and wanting stuff, and I always would take care of him, take care of him. But he had like a, a hold on me like that, where when Harper was born, I started going, "Wait, you wanted three kids." And you got married, and you tried, and you bailed. Like I couldn't even call you if I was sick. I could, and I always thought, just as a normal person, if Harper, this isn't my ideal situation. But right. I can't think that she couldn't call me or say, "Do you have any resources?" If I had a hundred bucks, she can have twenty. You know, I, yeah. I should say fifty. Sure, she can have ten of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I would help a little bit, or if he would do that, it would have meant the world. Um, but he didn't, and I started to get a little, I can just tell in the last two, three years, I'm getting a little mad about it, and I see him less and less because it makes me furious that no alimony, no child support the whole time. If I miss two days, if I miss two days, I'm going to hear about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't want to. I want to make sure she's yeah. okay and, and the school and the things she needs to do. And it's not all money. It's just the fact I like seeing her. Yeah. I like talking to her. It is weird. I don't see her all the time, but I try to work and do my best with the situation but at least i'm in the game he was just like didn't give so i start getting mad about it it's, it comes up now yeah and it's i see him less because right? i'm like okay so i do have a kid and andy has a kid and you don't really give and i don't i don't and i didn't let her meet him no my brother hates when my dad's around because i said i don't want this influence yeah it's a weird thing. It's the only like dad thing I did was say I don't want her to meet her. her he kept going, bring her up, bring her up. I'm like, nah. Where is he? Is he around? It's in Santa Barbara. Oh, he's here. We put him up. I think Andy pays for it now, but <laughs> we we take turns. But he puts him, and then he goes, I don't want to be in this flea bag retirement home. He's like, all right, I'll get you a nice one. But that's his whole life. He's like just kicking himself upstairs. He gets better stuff and better. He got a private doctor at his house. Andy goes, how the fuck he talked me into getting a private doctor when he could just go to the goddamn clinic. You guys still want his approval. It's something um, it must be. It's wild. It's wild. Terrible. So, all right, so props. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a little tiny xylophone from play school for my Jeopardy bit. Mm -hmm. So I go bing 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 bing. I just realized Dennis Miller really talked me out of him because he started with him. 
Yeah, yeah. I think he did. He doesn't talk about that a lot, but he. Do you still friends with him? Yeah. Because like he, it seems to me that you were for a while there like uh, Minnie Miller. Ah, uh-huh. I did. I was influenced by Miller, even Kevin Nealon. I don't really tell him that much, but he He's was sort of had dry throwaway jokes. I was emceeing at the improv a lot. When you emcee, it sucks because you're there all night, but you do get to see these guys and you get to see, like oh, yeah. you know more about comics than I do right now because you see them all the time. Yeah. And now that I just started hanging out with Adam Eget, I he says, come down a lot. I never got past the store, so I never have done sets there ever in my life. Isn't it great though that now you can just well, walk it's in? it's close and it's- Right, and it's a good room it's now. It's great, did it last night, yeah. Yeah, the main room's great. It, the OR is great. I mean, people are coming. It's better than the improv there because you- a lot of rubbernecking at the improv, and I don't even know who's in charge over there. I don't even know how those it's shows. It's good were. I knew one guy, you know, Adam. Yeah, I gave him a part in Joe Dirt. He's a nice kid, and then he's uh, he's like, yeah, come down. So had an, I was going to ask you to come the other night because I did a night there. Oh yeah, and uh, who came? It was Dana Carvey, from Norm Macdonald. Wow, that's a big night. And Bill Burr. But we were going to maybe need another guy, and I was going to ask you because oh, that'd be fun. That would have been fun. But I didn't want to make you drive in. From Did it pack? Was it packed out? It was packed out. It was great. It was really fun. And Dana was killing it. And it's great because he does Bush. and does all these things. But now he's got Trump. Yeah. So it's like very present. He's got so, one, huh? He's yeah. got a Trump. And he does yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah. He says, bomb these motherfuckers. <laughs> it's already funny anyway. So he yeah. just does Trump a little bit. Everyone's like, ah, just waiting to laugh. Oh, man. So he's doing all right, huh? He's doing good. He's doing a special, a Netflix one. And... uh He's from the old school when I started SNL. He was the best guy there, and he was. I was there, sort of light a fire, and I was sort of an apprentice Dana, mm-hmm. like a not as good Dana. And uh, one horrible thing happened to me. I was, you know, when Perot came along, I couldn't get on the show. I was having trouble getting on, and Adam Sandler was getting on, and Farley, everyone else. And I'm like, God, I need a break. But Dana's staying. They kept saying he's leaving, and he kept staying. So there was too much. You know, if there's an impression I could do, Dana can do it better. So and he's. <laughs> A vet. So if the guy looked like Macho Man Camacho, Sandler does him. Yeah. If it looks like me, Dana does him. So right. I, I have to wait, you know. And so then Perot came along, and I go, Ross Perot sounds hilarious. Now Dana's doing Bush, and Phil Hartman does Clinton. And I go, I want to do Perot, and they go, I don't think so, I don't think so. Then they did a political special, Primetime, which mm-hmm. is a big deal. They go, Lauren goes, can you do Perot for us? I was like, fuck yes. So I go down. I get my 45 minutes of bald cap makeup. Yeah. And it, they they introduce us. Bush comes out. Phil Spade comes out as pro. Applause. We do our speaking. And then when they get to pro, they go, hold. All right, Dana, can you get into pro? Make? Thanks, David. I was there for a wide shot. No one just told me, like... SNL is a place that no one wants to tell you bad news that travels slow. Like, don't say your sketches. So it was a wide shot so he could do both? So he could do both. And he was great at Perot, which is even worse because it burned my onion that I was like, oh, I guess he's better. But How did if, Dennis talk you out of props? He just said, you know, you're on the... He liked my act, which meant a lot to me. Yeah. And, uh, one time, the, the two things of advice, one, he said I'd weed out the props. I had a Tom Petty hat and he goes, you still sleep with that thing? <laughs> and I was like, because he saw me carrying it into a gig once. He goes, oh, fuck no. <laughs> he goes, where's the suitcase? I go, I'm just down to this. He goes, you don't need anything. And yeah. I was like, he goes, just talk. And then one time I saw him in open form and uh, he goes, you weren't as good this time. And I go, well, I, I'm not getting invited back to these road clubs as much because I'm not killing. So I'm trying to write stuff that does better. And he's like, oh, that's the worst thing you can do. He goes, just do what you do. It's pretty funny. 
and, and, and it's easier to write without that middle step of like, well, they think it's funny. Just write right. what you think is funny. Right. And if it doesn't work, then just quit. You shouldn't do it. I was like, oh, well, that was a surprise ending. <laughs> so I go, oh. And it, it, it did wake me up because I liked him so much. I thought, this guy fucking knows how to write. So I turned into like a research paper of your favorite comics. I think a lot of people do. Like, yeah. I liked Eddie Murphy, but I was never going to be like exactly like that or very dirty like that. And then uh, I liked... Carlin. I liked all the people everyone right. liked, you know. But Miller was right there. And Kinnison. But Miller was closer Kinnison. to something I could do. Like, mm-hmm. that's really how I think. And I was whispering jokes to my friends. I go, it's sort of commenting on things. That's. And then when I got on Just Shoot Me or those shows, that persona was kind of the way it worked that was funny. You know, with Farley, you go, he does something and I whisper, like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Fatty. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. That's Mike, my whole job. (laughs) Yeah. So that that turned into at least a style. And then once I had that style, then I wanted to get away from it. Yeah. And that's what happens on Saturday Night Live. Like, Chris was the fatty fall down guy, and Sandler was like acting goofy. And and then once you finally get one thing, then you go, I'm not just one note. Right. And then 20 years later, I realized I am just one note, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) The data is in. I tell them, I go, I can do other stuff. They go, what? I go, I don't know. Nothing. Forget it. <laughs> but it's your, it's your demeanor. You, yeah. have a, you have a character. I guess. I mean, I like Bill Murray and stuff. I'm not saying I'm that good like that, but I'm saying I liked a guy like that that was sort of Bill Murray in Ghostbusters and he's sort of Bill Murray in this. And so I thought you could get away with it a little bit because I'm not like De Niro. It's not, no one wants, even Lauren said, don't do so many characters. I'd write characters like, yeah. hey, I'm this guy. And yeah. he's like, ugh. <laughs> so I go, why am I the guy that's shitty at <laughs> Because I just was, and he was right. So he well, goes, just be yourself. Were you? Who were you guys when you were coming up? Well, you and Sandler were friends before, right? SNL? We were friends before. Uh, Apatow, Drake, Schneider. Uh, you were all just doing comedy down yeah, here. Yeah, all at the improv. And yeah. We all lived in the Valley, too. Yeah. Did you live with guys? I lived with a girl who I always wanted to bone, and she was too out of my league. And then one day when I moved out, it was 10 years later, she was how come we didn't fuck this whole time? I was like, what? There was a chance. But I was getting famous. I didn't realize she liked that. Like, yeah. now I was possibly in her radar because she was going out with a bass player for a quiet riot. I'm oh like, my God. Sandler and I, I have to ask him about this because. You have to ask him why. I know we have. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that he really remembers that he's mad at me, but uh, it'd be great to talk to him. Do you talk to him? Mm-hmm. You know, he's mellowed up, but sometimes he used to. Uh, Hold, hold a grudge about that stuff like he's got to be might. but at a certain point like he just did Stern so I think that that one I didn't think would happen and we did a movie this why summer. wouldn't he do it for so long because Stern was so hard on him yeah Stern said something about him he didn't like that's what happened with me I mean he gets criticism and he gets it f- from all over the place I mean his movie reviews he knows and he, he was talking about it on Stern it's very hard and I'm in movies with him and we all take shit and I've, I've never had a fucking good review so I get it but I do remember sometimes when people are rough even if most of the time i understand it i go people just say shit who cares but if it really stings i will uh stay away from something make note yeah i mean but it takes a little bit i mean a lot of people like there's family guy they shit on me all the time and then at a certain point i go all right it's getting excessive like after the fourth joke you go all right someone's got a thing for me yeah and because on snl i would go after someone i go Let's do it again. They go, do you hate that person? I go, no. It's fun. But I sort of did. I'm like, I have a chance to oh, have really? a voice. Like, who'd you go after? I don't know. I never didn't like Eddie Murphy. And that's right. I loved him. Most of my- I didn't I, even know that story till today. No, I'm way out of the loop. Oh, yeah. It's a dumb one. But 
I, I didn't really have a problem with anybody, but now and then I'd be like... Well, well here's the problem. This is the thing that I, when I responded to Sandler about, I did a bit on Conan. where I wasn't really necessarily making fun of him okay. as much as I was his fans, mm-hmm. in a way. Because to me, they were just sort of like kind of, you know, man-children, meatheads, and, mm-hmm. and, you know. But I did this bit, and it mentions him as a reference. And then, you know, he comes up to me at the improv. I mean, this is like two decades ago. Like, you know, I heard what oh. he said something about me. I'm like, yeah, I said it on television. And uh, he's like, why would you do that? And I said, because you're a, a cultural icon. I mean, you know, what do we just, we can't talk about people in our own business. What are we going to fucking talk about? You know, I wasn't a nasty about it, but it becomes difficult. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like that situation with Eddie Murphy. It's like, what you talk about movies? Or you yeah. do jokes about culture and you're Well, gonna- and that's my whole job in quotes and we're comedians. And even Amy Schumer, who's blowing up so huge that- there's jokes you can make about Amy Schumer because she's one of the people out there now. Right. And then there's that weird thing with comics or like, if yeah. you want to do something for fun or whatever, but I'd steer away from it just because it, she might take it wrong, even though you're just like, I just want to talk about what's going on out there. Because like she a, would, because right. that's what everyone does. But there's a community of us and we're weird right. and oversensitive. And, right. You know, and you, you don't assume... I you know, I, I but try. I like when someone like Amy's actually good, and then you know, there's people that they make, can take it. There's people that make it too that you go, oh my god, how's how this that person happen? getting famous? Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, everybody comes down the other side, and that's the, that's the most interesting thing about uh-huh. it is once you make it through all this shit. Some people make a living, they get rich. Other people, you know, at least keep their shit together enough yeah. to be like, nah, doesn't matter anymore. It just doesn't fucking matter anymore. And you try to keep respect of other comedians, which I like. I always appreciate if comics thing of fun. I mean that's why everyone says they don't care what people think, but I do. I when I go into clubs, I, I still do it and I still want to be in the vicinity of the good people and not be so out of it where people are like, Are you still doing this shit? Like, come on guy. Like there's people that go up and you go or they're older comics or they haven't done it, and they're starting to get into it and you yeah. go, But you just want to still it's like it's fun, quitting right? baseball or something. You don't yeah. want to do it. No one wants to quit anything. So. Right. But and you, you, can, you can be old and be a comedian. That's a good thing. You like doing it now? I, I, I still like doing it. It's still hard. You never stopped really, did you? Did you stop? I only stop? slowed down. No, I never stopped. And it was a great way to make money when I didn't, uh, like last two, three years I haven't done a show. I stopped Rules of Engagement. So You got to have some money saved. I have some money saved. It's more about... It's fun to do something with yourself. And then you feel like you did something. I like to feel like I'm good at it. Yeah. So when I do, you know how it is. You do a good show somewhere and you feel good about it. You bomb a few times or some things clank. But when you do a good set yeah, and you get your set list, you go, I can actually do something. Like yeah. this is this got me everything. <laughs> and that's why I told Sandler, you should do it. And and we did something this summer and he goes, you know what? I, let's, I have a chunk of time. Let's do it. Let's go out in the road. He goes, I'm going to come where you are. And then I'll just do a little set and yeah. practice because I don't want people to fucking YouTube me and say yeah. I'm shitty. And, and he was always funny to me. And I go, it's a good idea to remind people how you got here. Yeah. So I did Comedy Magic Club. He came, he did 25 minutes. It was a lot. And then uh, I did a night at the comedy store as a trick just to get him to go on unannounced. So he had a good crowd. He yeah. did it again because my crowd would be his crowd. You know, right, sure. Overlap. And then- How was it? We good? did San Diego. We announced it. Yeah. So me, him, Norm, Schneider, and Swartzen. And that was a really fun show. There's a theater gig, and uh, and he closed because I had to close in the other two. And I go at a certain point, Adam, you've got a guitar and a piano. I yeah, can't yeah. follow this. Right. And he killed, and they were definitely there to see him the most. And they were so excited that he hadn't done it in 20 years. So we're gonna do a few dates. It's gonna be that's, fun. That's great because yeah. I never really understood it because you just answered a question for me. I think it was a mystery to me forever. Because like when I see Seinfeld going out, I'm like, how much money could he? Why would he? 
It's like, just, I think, for the fun. But not only the fun, but what you were saying. It's like, I do this. This is what I do. It's what I do. When and- everything goes away... That's that's what we do. And no one can say Seinfeld's not funny anymore. They see him, they go, yeah. shit, he's still, you know, it's putting work into something that you used to be good at. And it's not about money. Right. And I there's some gigs I make no money. And some I, I'm doing one uh, in Hawaii over the break that's not a ton of money, but what a blast. Me, Jeff Ross, and Bill Maher. Oh, yeah. So someone just said, Bill Maher said, you want to do this with me? We do this group for fun. Split the money? Of course. What a blast. I, 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 I like those guys and I never see them. What a great excuse. So, all right, so walk me through SNL. How'd you get it? Stand-up, started the road. Uh, couldn't get on that Young Comedian special. Remember the HBO Young Comedian special? Right. I got, I finally got on after three tries. Who was on with you? Uh, well, every year I, I missed out to like Richard Belzer. I'm like, I'm an actual Young Comedian, guys. Yeah. Can I like be looked at seriously? I'm 22, 23. Uh, I got on with Drake. Right. Schneider. Jan Karam. Uh. Freddie Stoller was he on mine? Yeah, yeah. Warren Thomas. Oh yeah. And uh, I that hope that's about, right. I sort that of mix, right. mix up Jan Karam, yeah. So we and everyone did stuff after that. I mean, Warren Thomas, I think, passed away after yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, long after that, but yeah, okay. he passed away. Yeah. I didn't know him. He's, he's one of those. I, I he's knew funny. Schneider and yeah. Drake, and then Schneider knew him from oh, San Francisco. Probably. Oh, he didn't. Hey. Yeah. And then uh, Maze, and then me and um. Schneider got pulled because Lauren saw it, or their people saw it. So we got pulled to fly to New York for an audition with Tom Kenny. Yeah, remember Tom Kenny? Was yeah, San, of San Fran. Yeah, SpongeBob. We Dennis was there. Um, probably twenty people at the audition. Yeah, in a comedy catch rising star. Oh, a catch rising places star. I've never gone. The original on. one went on. Supposed to do twenty, did about twelve because I was bombing. Actually, Dennis told me one more time. He goes, "You don't want to kill too hard because." Uh, I think you're a smooth road act. Yeah, and I'm like, so I bomb? I didn't understand. <laughs> so I, bo- I go, I took his advice. He goes, they're just going to look at your writing, which I didn't get. I go, you have to do good. But mm-hmm. the truth was I didn't. I didn't do that good. And they looked at the writing. And then he goes, just do your best written jokes. That's my advice. And then Schneider went on and went short. Tom Kenny did his whole set, killed. Schneider didn't do well? He didn't do really do well, no. Yeah. With a little Elvis or Elvis whatever. on a fish hook. Yeah. And then he goes like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he had some great jokes. He had dude, yeah. dude. Yeah. So anyway, we got we got hired as writer performers from that, and that was a whole different thing. New York was too much. I didn't want to go there. I uh, never thought of being on SNL in my life. Really? No, I wasn't like a character guy. I wasn't an impression guy. I just like was trying to be a headliner. I was just middling. Right. Just wanted to be a headliner. Just like seeing what's right in front of me. Like, can right. I get in the Dallas Improv? Can I get in right. the fucking Funny Bone Chain? And so that got that, and I go, oh shit! And then uh, we made low money, but the stress started. We got in there, and I was a pretty good writer for stand-up, but it's a whole different thing to write sketches. So wasn't killing it. Uh, we did four shows, and then it was the summer, and we both didn't get anything on. And so they said they might not bring you back. Who oh, you and Rob? We were like buddies. We were really good friends, and then we had some friction on there. Um, we brought out the worst in us, that's for sure. Really competitive? Yeah. And then the first year. Do you think that was fostered or it just happens? Uh, I mean, we both sort of want to be famous. You want to do well. And they make it like, hey, one of you might come back. It's Uh-oh. like Survivor. And then yeah. I remember one time I got mad. He didn't tell me about a rewrite meeting. And then he didn't put my name on a sketch that we wrote together. And so it looked like I wasn't writing much. And I was like, what are you doing? He goes, ah, you went to bed. I don't know. I was tired. I woke. I was stayed up all night writing. I'm like, 
I want just put my name on it. It's not yeah. that complicated. Right. And uh, and we and then the next year we had more problems. Then he did copy machine and he got on. We weren't supposed to write for ourselves, and I thought that wasn't fair. Right. I'm like, why the fuck does he get to write shit? And then they made him a cast member, and I'm like, what? So it was just mix of jealousy and like I should be better at writing, and I was frustrated. You guys are okay now. Yeah, 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 we're we're actually really good now. But it was a two. Then he's then everyone he was having trouble with everybody. We were all having trouble, but he he got out of it fine. But there was a period there where we were just all you don't know what you're doing there. Brought hey, you and Sandler. The what about you and Sandler? Sandler and I were always good. Yeah, as long as I could sit there and watch everyone kill. Farley, Sandler, Dana, Mike Myers, fucking. Conan's writing, Bob Odenkirk's writing, Smigel's writing. I'm supposed to be as good as these guys are better and it just wasn't happening. I'm like, I'm getting better, but I can't be that level. Phil Hartman's great. Like, and the hosts come in. And oh, so you were just- Chris watching- Rock is doing weekend updates where he's fucking smart as shit. And so you go, I'm supposed to- So I was getting better, but we <laughs> stayed friends because we tried to support each other. And when you're getting bumped because of them, you have to keep it in check because you want to fucking kill him, you know? Because, like, I'm like, Farley's in six things this week. Can I be in one? Or Dana's in nine. Like, does anyone give a fuck? And, and they don't. And who are you addressing? Did you ask Lauren? The air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dressing room wall. You never said, Lauren, can I talk to you? I do. And you get, and I asked Jim Downey, and I was like, and he goes, eh, now you're getting there. Just hang in there. Because, but everyone's worried about themselves, and you have to be. And uh, I just am really glad that by the end of it, People knew I was on SNL. I have pretty good memories of people saying, "Oh, you were funny on SNL." Fine, that's all. How I many want. years? Six years. And you did? Did you end up? You were um, contributor to Update, or did you do Update? Just contributor, right? To update. I mean, just wrote jokes for the Update people, and then I would just do my bits. And uh, you would show up in things. Yeah, I'd show up in things. Did Gap Girls? Did the receptionist from like and you are? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was my first attitude bit I wrote because it was not just jokes and I couldn't believe it worked I go that was a breakthrough just in my own head going uh, Conan told me about concepts he goes these are you're just writing jokes you need to write like what's the whole feel to it and he tried to explain it I was like oh yeah because he's smart yeah <laughs> so I got it and then I go oh and that was one where it was getting laughs and read through and I go these are smart people so this is funny to them like it was just like a weird way people were treating me and I thought I wrote it out they're very condescending to me and it works. So I go, Oh, this is working without big jokes. Okay. It's a repetition of a, yeah. Of going and I, would I know you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of attitude was funny. Cause I got it from Lauren's assistant in LA and I got it from Patrick Swayze's at, uh, when he was at the show, the, they wouldn't let me see Patrick Swayze. Really? I go, can I, t-? cause you're allowed to talk to the host right, if you're right. a writer and it's three in the morning and he's in the writer's room alone. And, the, and then this PR person is standing by the door and I walk in and she puts her arm up to block me. She yeah. goes, can I help you? And I go, oh, I'm just want to say hi to Patrick. She goes, oh, and you are. And I go, I, uh, I'm David Spade. She goes, and he would know you because I go, oh, I'm a writer here. She goes, right, and that's why you're a writer here at SNL. And I go, yeah. She goes, mm, it's just he's so crazy right now. It, can you come back in a little bit? It might be a better time. And I go, he, he's reading People Magazine right there. Are you sure? Yeah, it's just really tricky time right now. And I go, uh, I didn't even get it. And I go, so I just thought in my head that was so yeah. weird, that yeah. whole attitude. And then I called Lauren next time I was in LA and his office goes, and you are. And I go, 
Oh, is this a real fucking thing? <laughs> and they quizzed me, and I had to explain how I was famous and shit. And they're like, eh, I don't watch TV. And I'm like, it's your own show. So I go, I got to try to make that into a sketch. And then that, but I still, it took me a while. Then by the end, I got more stuff on. And then Adam and Chris left, and I stayed next year, like a fifth year senior. And when did the thing with Farley just start to gel? Why? Um, Were you guys friends first? Yeah. Just buddies walking around the office and Lauren thought we were funny together. And we were like, I'm from Arizona and he was Wisconsin Dundee. He's like the nice guy that doesn't know what his head up his ass walking on New York City going, oh my God, there's a McDonald's here. There's one. And I'm like, oh, is it on wheels? Like, you know, I just always just make fun of him. And then he'd go and he'd want me to make fun of him. Then, he, then we just sort of buddied up a lot. And yeah. then he was getting famous or, and I think he felt because we started together, it was like, a good solid place to be because so I was a, on the show too. A good guy, he's a good guy, and so that was a fire that was just going out of control. Loyal guy, sweet guy, loyal guy, nice to me. Uh, laughed at everything, made me feel good because he thought it was hilarious, and that made me feel good. And he was, but he would get jokes that you didn't think, like for being like a dunce, <laughs> yeah, or whatever people think. <laughs> he actually was good at comedy to where he got all these dry, weird jokes. He got what was funny. He laughed so hard. And you can always tell, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell people, thanks, David, thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of ding. <laughs> Great story, David. Uh, coming up. up next. Time up. So he would laugh, and uh, I like that about him because you couldn't whiz anything past him. He wouldn't go, I don't get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you're in a conversation with someone, yeah. and they don't even have to say anything, what they laugh at, you can tell how funny they are. Right. If they get something and you go, oh, you like that too? That's yeah. funny to me. Yeah. Whatever. And that's where you go, he's good. And he was such a supporter and he'd go on the sides and laugh when you're doing a bit or try to help you out or whatever. So Good guy. Yeah, good guy. How many movies did you do with him? Three? Well, I did Coneheads. We were all in. Right. Um, then the real ones were probably Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, and then I think that was it. He did yeah. Beverly Hills. Yeah. We talked about a third one and then it was too late. But when you were with him, I mean, it seems to me that a guy like that, if you're close to him, you know he's killing himself somehow. Yeah. And, you know, how did you, you did, was there? Yes, it was my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I just like, there's nothing anyone can do after a certain point if they're going to. Yeah, I mean, I just look at Scott Weiland, who I used to know a little bit, and uh, but when that, it's just so out of control. saw that coming for so long. Yeah. And, it's like, and like, and he had a kind of like. You know, he was you know showing up on YouTube doing gigs where you're like, oh my god, like it, he it was like Kennison. It's like he's up there doing wild thing. You're like, this should have ended a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah. Would have been better for everybody, but but Chris seemed like you know he was trying to handle it. But like, I think he did eight rehabs, and when when oh you, he did he was one of those guys, like that, right? Right. And right. we had some friction at the end, but it was mostly because when you have someone like that, the same way Wyland's wife wrote something about him. Did you read that? Mm -hmm. that uh, that she's like, this guy died four years ago. Like she was right. saying, I, he's not the person I know. You know, he doesn't yeah. even relate to me. When when he wants to be with his friends that are doing all that stuff, and he doesn't want to be around me, and I get right pissy about that. Like who, would, Chris? Yeah, he would bring people around, and you those know, weirdos that he, like no one knew, but yeah, him. like people that know that like you know worse. they're junkies or yeah. weird, and they're like, hey man, I'm like, yeah. why are these people with us at yeah. dinner? You know, why are you bring? <laughs> we were in Aspen at the comedy festival for SNL and. We all went out, and then uh, he was too drunk at one dinner with Steve Martin and Lauren and Bernie Brillstein. And I, I took him into the dinner. We walked through, and I realized it. And I go, "Hang on, guys!" And we scooted through all the chairs. This yeah. long table. <laughs> I took him into the kitchen. I took him in the alley, and I go, "We are not fucking having a three-hour dinner. You're this fucked up." He goes, "Whoa!" I go, "You drank all day? 
He goes, well, my husband. It's always an excuse. I go, oh, okay. And then <laughs> the next day I met him for lunch. Yeah. And he came and he was with four people I didn't know and he had not gone to bed. So his eyes are like rolling back and I go, oh, fuck, you stayed up all night. And he goes, oh, I go, all right, you're an Aspen. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Jesus. He's like a child. There's some guy told me a story about him that I, I always... I thought it was horrendously sad, but hilarious. Uh, like some, it was a, a Chicago guy, I think, and they were partying all night, and and uh, you know Chris had you know done mushrooms and everything else, <laughs> and uh, I guess he was just in the middle of a conversation, and he, and he threw up on himself. <laughs> oh boy! And, and he, and I guess he said, "I guess I'm full." <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I know you can't get mad when he eats a two inch by two inch piece of steak for every bite. I go, you're fucking joking, dude. He's like, whoa. I go, that's a full petite filet. He goes, no. And then he takes the pat of butter and he peels the lid off it and he puts the whole square on it. I go, every bite. And he goes, it needs a hat. I go, well, okay. Who can argue that? So, but a full pat of butter on every bite. I go, ugh. I go, where's the fat coming from? No one can figure it out. It's a mystery. <laughs> but do you think he wanted to? Do like he just, that's just the way he lived? He just loved mean, it. Just very excessive. He loved very it. He loved thing. He do too much. Yeah, Fall he, hard, eat hard, play hard, get mad hard. He was, yeah. So, but he's very nice and he's very nice. So, you know, it was a tough loss because it was, it was like the other day was his anniversary. Oh. Like two days ago. So, you know, there's always someone on Instagram reminding me. I'm like, oh. Yeah. A little gut punch, but Of the day he right. died? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in December. And the funeral was rough? Funeral I didn't go to. You didn't? Yeah. Why? Too rough, too much. Really? Yeah, I just... It was really... I think people took it the wrong way, but I I told Lauren and Adam and those guys that I can't go. They said, it's okay. They knew that it was... It's hard. It's hard to sit there and ball in front of your friends. I know it's the right thing to do. I just couldn't... I was crying at home. I was... I was so weirded out and I just to see him in a room and a coffin I was like fuck it I was open it was just in a coffin yeah, I don't know they yeah. said because I didn't go but they said uh, he'll be there and I was like oh. but those guys were all very cool to go and I just you know looking back I, I, I probably should have I just couldn't do it no, couldn't I even think of it yeah I understand that you know if they, yeah. I could still see it today if someone was so close to me I cried at my uncle's funeral I, I was pretty close but I was like oh this is tough and people are stronger they can do it i can't do it yeah that's all so after snl they um i mean you like you've had this amazing career and you keep working i mean just shoot me was really i mean career-wise and the and those movies yeah. and those are huge yeah i got a I job mean, i mean treading water after snl is the hardest part so just shoot me really helped but in terms of like is something going to happen just am stay, i set yeah, up just yeah anything just right. try to keep me out there and then uh plus i like to work and keep busy and i don't know anything i can't go back and switch now i can't right. go back to advertising whatever i wanted to do um and so then rules of engagement uh there was that showbiz show i did for a little bit i liked that was sort of like a hollywood show and then uh the grown-ups movies are always they do well right big help with adam yeah uh, Whose they, ideas were those? Those are Adam, yeah. He put that all together? Yeah, he says, I think I got you in a movie. I think I got a funny idea. I'll tell you soon. And then he goes, all right, we're writing it. It's uh, We couldn't think, it was called Lake House. Right. But we changed it to Grown Ups. And uh, we did that. We did the other one. And then- They made money. They made good money, yeah. They and Joe it. Dirt was good? Joe Dirt I love. Yeah, Joe Dirt I hear about the most. Other than Tommy Boy, I hear about it the most. So I really, And that's really your invention, it. right? That's actually- as much as I'm in love with Tommy Boy, yeah. at least Joe Dirt, you know, that's all Chris. So 
Tommy Boy. Schroeder, at least, yeah, can be take a little credit because I wrote it. I'm in it. Wrote, yeah, 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 wrote yeah. With Fred Wolf. We wrote Joe Dirt together. We wrote Dickie Roberts. We did. Oh, I mean, I, well, I went and did the do over the summer. I did one with Adam for Netflix. So his one after Ridiculous Six. Is that second, Brill? Did Brill direct it? Yeah. You know, him and I were roommates. We I went think to college you told together. me this. Or yeah. Something. How'd it go? Is it out? Parts. No, it comes out in the summer. The uh, the, the Netflix the, the do over. Yeah, I saw it about three weeks ago. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it a departure for you guys? For a Adam? little for, bit. I mean, Ridiculous Six is sort of right down the middle for Adam. What he yeah. does, and it's great. Did movie. Brill do that too? No. Uh-huh. Uh But do over. I'm married, two step kids, straight man, work at a bank. Uh, nerdy Sandler is sort of a fucking crazy guy. Comes and kidnaps me. It's like uh, Midnight Run a little bit. Uh huh. It's weird. We want to do our lives over because my life came out so shitty. And he's like your old friend. Yeah, but I don't know him that well, and I start finding out shit about him. Uh huh. He says you got to do your life over, and I go yeah yeah, and then he fucking kidnaps me and goes, I said you died, and now. I got a new ID for you. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? It's sort of dark. It's weird. Uh And so I liked it because it's mostly him doing the jokes. Like I am just straight man. And it's, it was really fun because it was, uh, no one's going to give me that part. That's for like a Jason Bateman or Ben still, you know, you're in over your head. Yeah. And you're trying to figure shit out. And it has weird, you know, we have guns or shootouts. There's uh, you're comfortable with guns. I love (laughs) Drop me in the desert. So wait, now let's, before you go, Yeah. like I, I don't do TMZ, I'm, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> but what the fuck happened, I know it's in the book and you know I, I know that things leveled off. I count TMZ as a credit on my yeah, resume. But I, <laughs> but I don't know the story of what happened with that assistant of yours. I don't. Oh, oh, that thing. Oh. Uh, Skippy? Yeah, the quick version is we, I had an assistant who was. But was he a fan at first? He was working for Pete Siegel on Tommy Boy. Okay. That's how I knew him. He was 300 pounds. He's 6'2". He's from Glendale. Yeah. Hmm, this area. Yeah. And uh, look at you twice now. <laughs> and he was a nice guy, very sweet. I'm trying to be objective about this. Um, he worked for Pete. He was very nice. Ten years they got along. Oh, really? Long Saw time. him every day on Tommy Boy. Yeah. So when I was looking for an assistant, he had left Pete. Um, I interviewed a guy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And I was going to hire the girl, and then Farley died that day. Mm. And I said, Skippy, you, I need you because you're going to know everybody. You're going to know what I'm going through. And uh, let's just start right now. And so, weird coincidence, but everything was great for three years. He started getting, uh, asking for tickets to stuff. And you know, it's weird having an assistant. He's like, can I have tickets to you too if you get them? Can you get an extra one for me? I was like, I guess. Because, you know, you don't want to be a dick, but. I don't know where to draw the line. And yeah. Then NBC was, was offering me Dodger tickets and I wouldn't take them. And he goes, you should take them. I go, no, nah, no, nah, because then I'm going to owe him a favor. You know, I didn't really want to go and I thought, uh, and then one day they called me in for a favor and they go, we, we gave you all those Dodger tickets. And I go, no, you didn't. And they go, yeah, your assistant always took them. I go, did you go to those games? He goes, yeah, they didn't care. They yeah. just said, you know, and I go, oh. <laughs> and then. What was the favor? No, they just wanted me to go like to New York yeah, or right. something to an affiliate thing, and I go, and yeah. I go, come on, we've been helping you out, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then Rebecca Romaine, I was friends with, and Kid Rock, and he was texted. He would text them without telling me. Like Rebecca's like, yeah, what does he want? Like I just talked to Skippy. What's up? I'm like, nothing. She's like, what is he texting? He's just like, hey, how you been? What are you doing tonight? 
And I go, uh, this is getting weird. Yeah. Then long story short, one day he got mad. I didn't put him in Joe Dirt. I tried. And Kevin Nealon came through and did the part. Yeah. Adam requested it. I said, I can't outrank Adam. He asked for nothing. I just have to put, he goes, fuck Adam. Tell him you fucking, you told me I could do it. I said, Skippy, I always told you I would try. But Adam is the producer and he's the only reason this is getting made and it's Kevin fucking Nealon. I want him in. I'm sorry. I will find something else or the next movie. Stewing over that. Then um, a couple months later, we're in editing. The Joe, he got broken up with the girl that day and then the editing, uh, he saw the scene with Nealon. He goes, I would have nailed it. I would have nailed it. I'm like, he's still mad. He's like, fucking Adam. Fuck. I'm like, what are you talking? Like it was getting weird now. Yeah. You could feel it. Like, yeah, five in the morning. I feel like someone's in my room. No one ever is, but you're always like, ugh, feels yeah. so weird. I look up, someone's in my room. He's in there? In the hallway, staring at me. 300 pounds of him. 300 pounds. I don't even know it's him. I just fucking He broke up. into the house. Broke into the house, yeah. yeah. I said, what What the fuck's going on? He goes, oh, the alarm called. They, uh, they, you left your alarm on. I go, what? And I stand up, I go, shit, sorry, dude. I go, by the way, I didn't even turn. And then he punched me in the face. And then he hit me with a stun gun. And then he starts punching me. And I rolled off the side of the bed. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I looked down. There's blood on the bed. I'm like, what are you? He's staring at me like a fucking crazed killer. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I don't even, I'm not even awake. I don't even know what's going on. And your friend is beating up. I run for the door. He throws me down again. Oh, my, my God. My shirt rips off. Now there's more blood. Now I haul house out front. I get away again. Miracle. Get out of the front. But because my house is a mansion, you know, I have yeah. a guard gate. Yeah. <laughs> I have to throw in mansion. Was this but here? Or in this is Arizona? in the flats in Beverly Hills. Okay. It's not a mansion, but I had a guard gate. So I can't even punch my code. To, oh, I can't get out of the Hotel California. I'm like, fuck, I'm stuck. So I run back and he's standing there. I'm behind a car. I'm like, what's going on? Now there's blood because my toe pad ripped up on the cement. Ugh. And uh, the stun gun was cutting my arm. And he's obviously beating me up because I'm- You got a dart in you? A stun gun dart? Like a, no, it's like it. Oh, he it's put, sharp points oh, oh, and, it, yeah. and the electricity goes across, but the sharp points are actually sharp. So when he hits you with it, it's scraping like cutting. Ugh. Not like a box cutter, but it cuts like that. Yeah. So I go, uh, uncool, uncool. Or whatever <laughs> but I thought for sure I'm dying. I don't know why why this is happening, but it's over. And then Did I, it all come to you like this is a Hollywood yeah, story? This is how this shit happens. And I don't know why and I wish yeah. I knew. And I ran up and I hit him in the face. I went right at him and- we went on the ground and I got to where I was hitting him in the head. I got a great spot on him like UFC. Yeah. He dropped the stun gun, picked up quickly. I ran, I slammed the door and it, it just barely closed and he hit the door like a rhino and I go, this is it, I can't fight anymore. Knowing he was gonna come in and kill me and it stopped him a quarter inch, that deadbolt. I was like, oh my God. And I ran, slid under my bed and what do I have? Loaded shotgun. <laughs> Thank you, mom in Arizona. <laughs> is it that one? And step was it that one? It wasn't, but it's oh, another yeah. one. Right. And I had it loaded, and he, the only other person to know I had a loaded shotgun was him. And the cops were like, he was trying to get it to shoot you, and shoot himself. Oh, that was the story. So I got it, ran out, and I said, "I have the fucking gun." Then I got super tough guy because now I was going to win, and I said, "I don't want to shoot you. I'm going to fucking shoot you." And then I went in the bathroom and locked it, and going. Let me think. I look in the mirror and I'm got blood on my face and I'm fucking shaking from the stun gun. I go, I'm going to pass out. I go, all right, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to shoot your leg. Then I'm going to shoot you in the face. So if you better get the fuck out of here, you better back up. 
And so I had to prep myself in a weird way to say, I'm going to shoot him. I have to shoot this guy. And I don't know why. Yeah. So I open it. He's gone. I call the cops. I go in the alley with my gun. There's a cop with a gun pulling up in his car, pointed at me. I'm still holding my shotgun with blood. I look a little guilty. Yeah. Uh, I put it down. They get me. They go, we're going to go in. We're going to we're gonna search the house. I go, well, you don't have to search the drawers. <laughs> He's not in there. Um, <laughs> leave that stuff. Uh, and then they couldn't find him. They found him, and he fought the cops, and he had taken 100 Tylenol PMs. He's trying to kill himself. And Big oh. mess, but they just found out he bought an eight ball of Coke, and he did it all. He'd never done it. He was just trying it, and he did it all, and then he came to kill me. And he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Did he cop to that? He said he couldn't remember, but he did remember when they were sentenced. And where's that guy now? He works at a... Yeah? Oh, he's out? He works in town. And he works at... He's a UPM somewhere. And, you know, we... Uh, I had him down to two days a week after that, but what happened was... <laughs> we, I've never seen him since, and, uh, you know, he had a restraining order and stuff. And, but right. it was it was weird because... Afterwards, I felt weird almost for him because I go, this is, your whole life is different now. Why would you do that? And they go, oh, he's drugs. And I go, but I've done coke. Like, you don't want to kill. Like, that's not, it had to be there already. Yeah. But I think he was resenting that it looked like I had an easy life. Like, he goes, oh, you go on a show and then you get to talk to. Well, right. He got too close and he started to sort of glom on to thinking like, well, I'm I'm part of this life. Why is it not? Why don't I do this? And And also, maybe it seemed like at certain points he was like, I am doing it. Yeah. And then people were like, no, I don't. right when he started to be like, I am living this right. life, there was pushback. Yeah. And there was like, oh, yeah. And then he doesn't want you to decide that he shouldn't have it. Right. So something didn't work. Anyway. Well, I'm glad you're all right. Yeah. And I'm glad you're doing stand up again. Yeah. Made it through. Uh, I'm glad we're buddies now. And I was yeah. cocky and I apologize. Oh, no. I'm, I, it was great talking to you. I always liked you. <sighs> I feel bad. I told you that I didn't. Well, think no, it wasn't, wasn't even that cocky. Deal. It wasn't even that unexpected. I never really had any resentment against you. I just never thought uh, I would, you know, we would ever have a conversation. Do you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I don't like that guy. Fuck that guy. Right. It was like, that guy won't talk to me. I see guys sometimes like that as uh, comedians. What? Like, uh, I get to see, I go, I don't know if we'd ever get along. Right, right, right. But that's okay too. Yeah. It's you like always, high school. You can't be, get along with everyone. Well, you seem to be pretty practical about that shit. You got pretty uh, solid kind of like, uh, all right, fuck that. Yeah, I try not to get, it's too stressful. It's good. It's now healthy. It's, now it's easier. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for having me. It's great talking to you. Finally did it. Yep. Well, that was good. Kind of cracks me up and I, I, I enjoyed talking to him. Uh, what else is coming up? Go to WTFPod.com and, you know, get, uh, you want some posters or some things or this or that or you want to get on the mailing list, do that. Thank you, as always, for all the uh, gifts and things in the mail. I appreciate all the uh, love and support, even though I I don't uh, always have the humility to be grateful enough to uh, express that. I do appreciate it. I like records and I like stuff and, and I, you know, I get a lot of stuff and thank you for all the emails and well wishes and and everything else. I had an amazing talk with the uh, director, Todd Haynes, uh, which will be um, coming to you on Thursday. I think I'll play some guitar if I can remember the lick I was doing. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see what we can do.
Boomer lives.